magic is what happens when you find balance between method and madness, science and art. Welcome to the Magic Maker Podcast, the place where entrepreneurs who want to find magic can access aha moments and simple steps to big dreams. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith, but you can call me Nick. Let's get started, shall we? Hey, Magic Makers, welcome back to another awesome episode of the Magic Maker Podcast. Today, I am bringing you another interview. This is only the third one we've ever had on this podcast, and this is a woman you might not know, but you are going to be really thrilled to meet. Um, Today, I'm speaking with Abby Woodcock, who is the founder of Freelance Co-op, and we are talking about something so critical if you are a person who trades money for time which is basically all of us, right? Um, But if you're someone who works one-on-one with clients, you will probably have found in your business that it is often very, very difficult to get that process of finding the person, bringing them on board, getting the work done, going back and forth with revisions, finalizing the work, delivering the files, getting paid to be quite a difficult process, especially when you you can't control your client and sometimes your energy on your own yourself is quite low and then sometimes you know the deadlines get extended and then you feel guilty so you feel like you have to give a discount it becomes this whole crazy mess of you know expectations and work being done work not being done so what Abby is bringing us today is this amazing workflow um, that we're going to talk about in terms of how to actually you know get that done in a way that's productive. And then she's going to dive deeper into this workflow. She calls the maker workflow at magic maker live in October, our conference in London. And Abby is a sponsor of this conference. And we are so thrilled to have her there. She is going to be such a wonderful support for everyone in the room who is struggling with this. And I know over my career being a photographer, a designer and a consultant, this is something that is so important. And so many of us don't just don't know what to do. And she has developed this amazing system to help us with that. So I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast today and to have her speaking at Magic Maker Live in October, which I hope you can join us for. The other thing I just wanted to say about this episode is I think, you know, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we go through a lot of evolutions and revolutions in our business. And we talk in this episode about a few milestones that um, I (laughs) I hope you guys can relate to in terms of growing up in your business. And there's a few fundamental moments that happen when everything changes. And we're going to talk about a few of those and hopefully provide some insight. Um, you know, for those of you who can relate to those, for those of you who are still waiting to reach some of those milestones, um, and supply you with some resources in order to get you through. So welcome to this episode of the Magic Maker podcast in season four, where we're looking all about momentum and really diving in today to look at how to get that workflow, that client relationship down um, and being able to create more systems and processes that allow us to take the pressure off and not feel so guilty and definitely be able to consistently charge more um, and charge, you know, full price for our work. So with that, let's make some magic, shall we?
Hey, Magic Makers. We have another really exciting interview for you today. I don't often do interviews on this podcast, but when I heard about what Abby does, I absolutely wanted her to come and share it with you because I think it's so, so amazing and so useful. And so to the podcast today, I'd love to welcome Abby Woodcock of Freelance Co-op. Thanks for being here, Abby. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, this is super cool. I'm so excited to have this conversation. And we were just saying before I hit record, like, I know we could go on for hours about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know everyone who's listening is going to totally relate. So we'll try and keep it as short as we can and give you as much as we can in a short time because we're all super busy, right? Us freelancers. <laughs> um, but Abby, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I... Uh... My background is in marketing and copywriting. So people always ask me like, how long have you been into that? And uh, I've been a writer since as long as I can remember. And I always say my first long form sales letter was I wrote a 30 page uh, note to ask a boy to the dance in seventh grade. And uh, so that oh was my, my God, first. Oh my God, you didn't. Yeah. <gasps> That's great. I love that. Well, did yes. he say yes? No. So 0% <laughs> conversion on my first on my first sales letter ever. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of my first foray into persuasive writing. And, well, you needed uh, more numbers, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a small test. Uh, that, that small sample size. Well. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so um, since then, I continued with writing and was in journalism for a while and then in corporate marketing before I discovered this world that I call Narnia, which is online business, <laughs> and uh, started writing copy and studying persuasion and all that and have, you know, had a freelance career for uh, about 10 years now in the copywriting world. And as we'll talk about in the last couple years particularly, I've noticed kind of some holes in how we train and how people grow their freelance businesses. So I've kind of transitioned from uh, being a freelancer, even though I still do work with some clients on copywriting, to helping freelancers uh, grow their businesses, creative freelancers particularly. Oh, we creatives, we need that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm one of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do, don't we? So um, we, the, this season, we're talking a lot about getting out of your own way. And I think this is especially, um, appropriate for people who are creative. And I talk about, um, in the work that I do, I talk about this spectrum and on one side there's method and on the other side there's madness and in the middle is magic. So I think we all sort of naturally lean from one on one side or the other, but oftentimes creatives are really on the madness side, right? Which is like, um, not wanting to be, you know, be willing to take risks and not wanting to necessarily commit to deadlines and being ideas people and, you know, the list goes on and on. But that we don't, the thing I think it's important to acknowledge is we don't need to be different than that. We just need to surround ourselves with people who center us and um, what we're going to talk about today, which is systems and processes that bring us back towards that middle where our business can operate in the magic zone and have a little bit more method. Or if we're on the method side, you know, getting a little bit more of that creativity to bring us more towards the middle and get a bit more magic. Um, do you, does that resonate with you? Does that seem like with the people that you work with, um, does that seem to be true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and for myself as well. But yeah, uh, especially working, you know, creative freelancers is kind of a broad term, but things like writers and photographers and graphic designers and 
kind of anybody that makes their living doing creative work, I don't think they tend to lean on the method side. And, uh, and so for me, especially, uh, that is absolutely resonates. And, and I always say that kind of there's three phases of the creative business. Like the first thing is you discover that this is something that you're so passionate about and you love doing. And for me, it was writing. And then you discover like, wow, I can make money doing this. And you find clients and you learn how to market yourself and all that part. And then all of a sudden you have this business and you're like, oh no. And now I have to learn how to run a business too. And uh, that's kind of where, where I've kind of found my sweet spot in the last couple of years is helping people with that part of it, the kind of the method side of it, because I love that, that spectrum that you talk about because I lived in the madness for a long time and you can, you can start a business that way, but it's really, really hard to grow a business uh, just, you know, living in the madness. Oh my God. That's so true. That is so true. And I love these phases that you talk about in terms of the real, the slow realizations of what it takes to not just make money, but to run a business as a creative freelancer. That is (laughs) so true. So as we kind of dive into this conversation today about maybe adding a little bit more method into our business and um, kind of what that looks like, I have this theory that there there comes this like come to Jesus moment for creatives when, (laughs) (laughs) um, and a lot of entrepreneurs actually, not just freelancers, but um, this moment where, you know, we've set up a business or we've gone out on our own to have freedom. Everybody wants freedom. That's why we're here. We want to work in our pajamas. We want to hang out with our dog. Like that's why we're here. But there becomes this sort of massive either moment or slow progression of moments that helps us realize one very important truth, which is that, freedom comes through structure when you're an entrepreneur. The more structure you have, the more freedom you have, right? Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. And if you had asked me this like five years ago, I would have totally disagreed with that statement until I kind of had my moment. Like violently, right? You're just like, no, I am not here for um. Yeah. Tell us about this moment. Tell us about, I feel like everyone has this story and I'd love to know what your story is of how you had you know, reach this milestone or, or discover this for yourself? Yeah. So it was about four years ago. Like I remember what I was wearing. I remember where I was. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. So I had had uh, a great week. It was like over the summer. And like you said, I had built a lot of freedom into my business. So I'd had this week of kind of doing what I wanted to do. And I had just moved in uh, with my fiance at the time. And it was just like, I was just having a great week. And it was a Sunday night after just you know, going out and and shopping and doing all this stuff, going to the beach, all these things that, you know, the freelancer dream life. And it was Sunday and I had a deadline uh, that I had some copy that was due on Monday morning. And so at midnight on Sunday night, I'm at my computer, like just working my tail off because I'd been not doing anything all week. And my fiance came down the stairs and he had just moved in with me and he didn't really know what I did for a living and was just kind of learning my world. And he came down the stairs and he's like, what the heck are you doing? And I had this hoodie on, like, that's my like stress <laughs> piece of clothing, you know, like where I put the hoodie up <laughs> over my face. Just... <laughs> and so I'm, I'm typing and I'm angry and he comes down the stairs and he's like, what is going on? I'm like, I have this deadline tomorrow and I'm way behind. And he, he was like, what the heck? Like we haven't, you haven't worked all week, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's because I had no systems in place and he comes from a military background. So he's like systems guy to a T like, you know, we get up at six in the morning and make the bed and the whole bit, which is the opposite of me. 
<laughs> and so he's like, well, this is not going to be sustainable for you. So he's like, we need to, you know, put some systems in place in your business. And of course it's midnight and I'm on a deadline. I'm like, shut up. Like, no, <laughs> like, none of this. So the next day he had this calendar made for me. And it was so funny because it was like from 9 a.m. to 9.30, you're going to work on the headline. And from 9.30 to, to 10.30, you're going to work on the subheadline. And, and I looked at this like schedule that was like all regimented. And I said, uh, no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to target. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this back and forth for several months, actually, of him trying to figure out how best to wrangle me in a way that, and I don't think that a system needs to be a regimented, and this is kind of the back and forth that we had. A system doesn't need to be like from nine to 9.30, you're doing this, from 9.30 to 10.30, you're doing this, but there does need to be some structure so that you're not working at midnight on a Sunday night after not not doing anything all week. You know, they, there has to be kind of a little bit of structure around how can I do this so that I'm also doing the best work that I can because at midnight on Sunday night, right before the deadline, I'm not doing my best work either. So, um, so yeah, that was absolutely the moment for me was, okay, I got to figure this, the systems and scheduling and business stuff because I'm doing bad work. I'm going to lose clients this way. It's just, you know, my business is going to fall apart if I don't figure it out. And the guilt, right? The guilt and the stress and like, Oh my gosh. Enoughness. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love what you're saying as well about not being able to do your best work. Cause I feel like I lived in that zone for many, many years as a photographer and as a designer because of that creative angst, right. Where you kind of push yourself to that last minute because you feel like you need that pressure to perform. But the reality is that, you know, if you had that extra couple days or that extra couple of hours, how much better could that work be? Um, but we all have a bit of that hero complex, don't we? Of like, I'm going to get it done at the last minute and it's going to be the best ever. And boom, boom, boom. I didn't have to work all week. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and the so other weird. part of it is all week where, you know, this great week where I'm at the beach and I'm doing all this stuff. Like, it's always in the back of my head, right? That yep. like, I'm not yep. doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like that guilt that you were talking yes. about. And that was so me was I, I'm sitting on the beach. I'm not doing any work, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a horrible person for not doing this right now. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we're going to get into some of these systems in a second, but I think that is the fundamental piece about why structure brings freedom is because we're not even just talking about freedom with your time or freedom, you know, with your, any of these actually really tangible things. It's freedom from that guilt because you can end the day knowing that you did what you were supposed to do and you can switch off. And if you don't have that list or that structure, that system, you never get to switch off to you because you always have that thing pulsing in the back of your head. Like, don't forget. And you're supposed to be doing this. Why aren't you doing it? It's Tuesday and it's due on Thursday. You know, like all of that stuff, which sucks the life out of you. Oh, absolutely. It's like the mental load of just carrying all the stuff and not having, you know, a list, having a schedule, anything like that is like, I'm just constantly like, oh my God, what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? You know? Mm, yes, for sure. And I could go on and on about the the revolution of the digital to-do list in my life, going from notebook to the to-do list with deadlines so that you literally just put something on the calendar and it pops up three months from now so you don't forget it. Like, ah, oh, such Absolutely. a good feeling. <laughs> okay, so I love this vision of you like that we, I think all of us can relate to of like hoodie on, midnight, before the deadline. And I love this like, 
this hero fiance who's like, oh no, no girl, (laughs) (laughs) we are going to sort you out. And I feel like, you know, when I talk about this method and madness spectrum, there always is an influence that brings us more to the other side. And it's often a person or people. For me, I've had business partners that have done that. Um, life partners are good for that. You know, virtual or in-person assistance can be the, the thing that brings us to the middle. But for you, you have this great fiance. I love this idea of like the military like structure. We make our bed and we do this at 9.15 and then this at 9.17. <laughs> so good. But okay, so that didn't quite work for you in that way. And you guys kind of went back and forth to kind of figure out what did work. What I'd love to talk about today is what are the first like three sort of systems or pieces of structure that you did actually end up implementing that made the biggest difference for you? Yeah, sure. So first of all, like, so in the military, they're big on uh, SOPs, standard operating procedures, you know, like there's a manual for everything that you do when you're in the military. So, um, so he was like used to this kind of thing. And so when we started breaking down, like, like I said, at the time, he didn't really know my world. And we started breaking down the different parts of it. So one of them was just like templates, like simple stuff, like templates for email communication. Like when I have a client reach out or a potential client reach out and they say like, hey, like what's the process for working with you? I have these needs, like what do I do next? And so talking about the mental load and and all the thought that goes into that, like I'm writing those from scratch every single time. And that's a big chunk of my day and big chunk of my creative energy going to something that I respond the same way like almost daily at that point. And so just creating some templates for common things that I was doing was a game changer. And it sounds so stupid, simple, but it really like just took me having to not think about it. And the the thing with templates that's so great is once you start to establish them and use them for yourself, that's where it makes it really easy to outsource to a VA or anything like that because you already kind of have the systems in place and you don't have to train them as much because all you do is say, Hey, this is how I respond to new client inquiries, or this is what happens when somebody visits my website, or this is what happens when somebody, you know, reaches out to me on social or whatever it is. And once you start just thinking about what are the stuff that I'm doing over and over again, that I'm thinking about and starting from scratch every time and where can I put some templates in place? And that was was kind of one of the first ones that I did. Preach. (laughs) I feel like I have this conversation a lot. I work a lot with photographers and, um, and I was one and, you know, the conversation is always around what's the CRM, what's the actual software I'm using to create this. And I think what you said is so important, you know, obviously software plays a role, but the reality is you don't even need software to create a template, right? You can use a word doc and just like, (laughs) Just write the thing once. And we're so resistant to doing that, aren't we? Because we're always doing that stuff at the last minute. Um, And we're like, I don't have time now to just write that in a Word document and save it in a folder. I have to like reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Or you feel like you're going to sound like a robot or automated. And like creating a template is as simple as going like the last person that reached out to me, what did I say to them? And just copy and pasting it and again, putting it in a Google doc and then saying, oh, okay, cool. And then all I have to do is change the first sentence based on what they said instead of like, oh, let me sit down and think of a thoughtful response every single time somebody reaches out to me. Why are we so resistant to this? I never did that in my like 15 years as a photographer. I never did that. Like, what do you think the resistance is to actually sitting down and getting those templates started? Well, I think for a lot of us and for me particularly as a creative and i think as a writer as well 
there's this idea that like systems are going to stifle your creativity and that oh. somehow like you're less creative because you're using systems or software or CRMs or any of these things that somehow that's going to like take away from your personality or your creativity. And it's just like, just like what you said about structure, giving you freedom, like they're not opposite things. They feel like opposite words, structure and freedom and creativity and templates feel like opposite things, but they allow you to be creative where it matters. Like, do I need to be spending all this energy replying to an inquiry that's the same as the one I replied to yesterday? Or can I use that creative energy towards something better, something like a blog post or a social media video or client work or any of these things where my brain is so much more valuable? And I think creative people particularly just have resistance to systems in general because it feels like, oh no, if I put systems in place, like somehow now I'm going to have to wear a suit every day and, and have a schedule and I'm going to become a corporate, like, you know, automaton. (laughs) Totally. It's so, so, so true. And I love what you said about be creative where it matters, because I do think that we feel this obligation, right. To just pour all of ourselves into everything that we do. And it's like, dude, that is not efficient. (laughs) No, no. And it doesn't matter, does it? Because people don't even notice. It's not like you spent two and a half hours on the email and anybody cares. And I think there is this element of care. We do care so much. And there's a lot of like worthiness stuff where we're like, we have to spend two and a half hours responding to this inquiry because that's how we know that we want it bad enough. And that's how we know we've worked hard enough to actually earn it and all this other weird crap that goes on. So I love the idea of just kind of... Yes. Swiping the board and being like templates. I'm doing that. So that was one of the first things that you did was like get some of this stuff put together, especially for what client inquiries. Yeah. Client inquiries was a big one for me. Um, and yeah, just normal things like sending proposals and, and that kind of stuff, which we'll dig into, but um, you know, just really just having those templates of how do I create a proposal? Like how do I uh, you know, reply to inquiries. How do I uh, follow up, get testimonials? That was another one of yeah. just thinking about like, I had all these really big name clients and none of them I had testimonials from. And that was just on me because I'd never even asked for it. So just kind of putting these pieces in place that could take the thought out of it. And then I could focus on, you know, my zone of genius. Mm, and here's another thing as well, like that just came up for me is, you delay it, right? Because it has to be good. I need to like, I need to send this response to this inquiry and I have to really put thought into it and it needs to be good. And what happens? You don't do it, right? You don't do it. You don't do it. And then it's late and then you feel guilty. And then like you let all this money just slip through your fingers because of this weird system where you're like, I have to put all this thought in and then I didn't do it right away. And now it feels too late. And so it's like, yeah, that's, and that's exactly what I was going to say for like kind of the second thing I put in place was I just looked through my email inbox and like, I just had money sitting there, like just because I hadn't responded to people or I'd sent a proposal to somebody and just never sent an email that was super simple. That was like, Hey, you know, any questions on the proposal? Like, when do you want to get started? Simple stuff like that. Like I just didn't because of two things. Number one, like you said, all that resistance and I didn't have any templates or systems in place to do it. So it was kind of the bottom of the to-do list. And then, you know, the second part of it was I just never had a schedule for when I was going to reply to all those people or what, you know, do I reply after three days or five days or, and it it doesn't really matter the timeline. It's just making a decision of like, okay, I'm going to set this for a follow-up on my calendar in three days. If I don't hear back from them and send them an email and whether it's three days or five days or seven days, 
that's a heck of a lot better than a month, you know, because, yes, you know, so. And again, like that energy of having to remember, right? Like once you take that energy out of the back of your head, you free up all that creative energy to do the job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also to live your life. Like, I think that's an important thing that we're saying here is we're not just talking about having more time to work, right? We're having more time to like live and keeping work in a smaller box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what you said earlier about being able to turn off. Like I have two young kids and being able to like just be done with work and be with them and not in the back of my head being like, oh my God, I have a deadline tomorrow or oh my gosh, I really should reply to that client tonight or whatever. Just being able to say like, you know what, today's done. I did all the stuff that was on my list for the day and now I'm with my family and I'm doing the family stuff. So. Totally. And how much of that worry that we have is just worry about what we're forgetting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we don't even know what it is. It's just sitting there eating away at us. So that second system that you did was you basically just set up a system for reminders so yeah. that you were like getting pinged when you needed to do something. Super simple. Yeah. Just following up with people. And so there's, you know, how many times do we need to follow up, whether it's clients that we have, prospective clients, people that we sent proposals to, people at live events that you meet, you know, everybody always has these conversations at the bar at live events, like, oh my gosh, we should really like, totally. we, should, we should get on a call. And then you never talk to them again. And just <laughs> yeah. having like, oh, like, okay, let's talk. And then setting a reminder for myself, like five days later to just email and be like, hey, it was awesome meeting you. Like, you want to hop on a call? Just super simple stuff like that. Mm, I love that. That's so great. And so what was the actual system that you used for those reminders? Did you just like, email, email yourself or set up calendar reminders or what did you use? Yeah. So what I was doing was, uh, there was an app that was like a plugin for my email, but now actually Gmail has it built in now where you can yes, either email right. yourself a reminder or you can snooze emails that you get. And then it pops at the beginning, the, um, beginning of your inbox. This is like a new feature in the last couple months that I'm like, oh my gosh, this would have been nice five, five years ago when I was <laughs> I like- I know, I just started seeing that happening and I'm like, thanks Google. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. So you can, there's like just at the top of the inbox, there's like a little timer button and you just hit that and you're like three days, okay? So in three days, like they'll put it back as unread in your inbox and so it'll pop back up so you remember to reply to them. And so it's even easier now than it was when I started. So brilliant. That's great. Okay. So first system was templates. Second one was email reminders. What is the third thing that really made a difference for you? Yeah. So back to like my kind of come to Jesus moment uh, with my fiance. So we, uh, so the next day after we sat down, he's like, okay, I need to understand your business. Like, can you tell me from the time that you meet people and I meet a lot of potential clients, I met a lot of potential clients at live events from the time you meet somebody at the bar at the live event to the time the project's over and you have a testimonial on your website, like what happens? And my answer was pretty simple. I'm like, Oh, it's super simple. I'm like, I meet them. I get on a call. They give me money. I do their work. They're happy. And he's like, okay, like that sounds good in theory, but I feel like there's a lot more to it. <laughs> so we spent a day like just mapping out each step of that, like the proposal and wow. the contract and, you know, the, the research that you need before you start the project and just all these things. And we realized there's 18 steps. And so 18. since then I've taught other people to just, Hey, map out the last client you had map out what your kind of email communication or whatever your communication was map out the whole thing. And people can do it in about 10 minutes. And it looks really similar to what my workflow was those 18 steps. 
And what I realized was number 13 of the 18 steps, and it just makes me laugh that it's 13, uh, was actually doing the work like that I was getting paid to do. So before I could even start work, there was 12 things that had to happen. And just mapping that out, like let alone installing systems to, to automate some of those things and all that, like just ignore that for a minute, just mapping it out and understanding what your process is. I don't think hardly any of any business owner does this, whether you have a product, whether you're a freelancer, whether whatever it is that you do, like what does it take to get from a client meeting you to the client being happy? Like how many of us really know what that looks like? Uh, you're so right. Cause none of us, right? Like, <laughs> we just don't do this. And again, it's that resistance piece, I think, but something that just popped up for me that I just started thinking about was one of the reasons that I stopped doing graphic design, even though I really love it is at the end of the day, it's almost impossible to know how much time you're going to spend on a project. And yeah. when my husband did a similar thing where he was like, um, you know, like how much time do you need and how much time does everything take you? And let's like put it down into buckets. I was like, it doesn't work that way. Like you can't (laughs) do that Uh, because there's so much of the creative process that you just don't know when you're going to feel it and how long it's going to take and all that stuff. And all of that has such a direct correlation with how much money you make. Right. And then how much how easy it is for you to actually bid a job. So there's all this like embedded, like, I don't know, and this angst and this worry, and you feel like you're always working more than what you're getting paid for. So I can imagine that actually having this process mapped out solves so many of those problems. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, if there's 12 steps that happen before the work, when we start to map out how long it takes us to do something, we're just thinking about the work. I mean, at least I was when I'm writing and I'm like, okay, it's going to take me like, I don't know, six hours to write this thing. Well, okay, that's six hours, but I'm not taking into account all that other stuff. And especially if you come from like a job background, like we always kind of tend to think in hours. But the thing is, when you have a job like a nine to five where you're working for a company, the company is taking care of all that other stuff. Mm. And so there's so much time that's going into projects that you're not seeing as the, as the employee. But then when it becomes your own business, it's like all that stuff has to get taken into account when you have a project is that, yeah, from the time we meet to the time I start work, there's 12 things that got to happen. And that's going to take a whole bunch of hours. And then once I do the work, then there's an especially design photography, like, you know how it goes of after you finish the work, the project's not over. There's the back and forth and the feedback and the edits. And that's the stuff that if you don't take that into account, you know, the project's 10 times as long as what you thought it was because all of those other things outside of just actually doing the work um, you have to think about. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I like the thing that still I can't stand is all the different file types. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need 50 file types in two or four colors for 27 different applications. Like, Oh my gosh, obviously those are great things to outsource, but yeah, you don't really think about the time that's going to take you when you're bidding the job. And that is what keeps freelancers in this perpetual state of sort of discomfort, isn't it? Because you're never getting paid for all the hours and you're starting, I think it's the same thing that we experience like with builders and like people who do like building projects in our houses is that they never bid enough for the job. And then by the end of it, they have to take on another job and they've forgotten about us yeah. <laughs> and they're feeling so frustrated and we're feeling so frustrated. And that's, that's the freelancer sort of hustle, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And that's where you end up like, and that's where I was of, I was doing great work and my clients were happy with my work and, but all the other stuff was a mess. And so mm. it made it. So by the end of the project, like we're both just over it, you know, and I'm over it. And then they're getting frustrated with me because I'm delaying and delaying and like the actual, like, okay, we're done now. And if you're, <laughs> and if you're in that kind of cycle of they're waiting on stuff from you and you're just like, I'm so sick of this project and I didn't get yes. paid enough. Like you never want to end a, a relationship like that no. and so that's where you don't end up with testimonials or you don't end up with referrals or repeat work and this is costing us money you know yes and then you feel the guilt so you don't want to invoice because you feel like you don't deserve it because you dropped the ball at the end and there's that whole like I forget what it, it's like the recency effect or something where humans remember the stuff that's happened most recently more than yeah. the stuff that happened in the beginning. So that bad taste in the mouth is what people remember more than all the good stuff that you did along the way. It's terrible. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So you created this amazing, we're talking about a workflow here, right? Like you created all the steps that need to have them from start to finish. You discovered that of the 18, 18, <laughs> amazing, mm -hmm. that the actual work was number 13. And this, I say this a lot because I talk about um, the five laws of entrepreneurship. Um, and those are basically mindset, money, marketing, mechanics, and momentum in order. And mechanics, number four, is that doing the work piece. And I think it's four of five. You know what I mean? And it's something that we totally take for granted that doing the work is not step one. <laughs> yeah. All this other stuff has to come first. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, this is, yeah. So we mapped out this workflow and we ended up putting a name on it and called it the maker workflow um, it, because it almost every creative project follows the kind of the same, uh, same 18 steps. And I do want to note that number 18 is drink wine and celebrate. So, yes! some, <laughs> so there is some like, you know, before people get to like, Oh, that sounds awful. Like, I think it's an important part to put a, put a done stamp on the project and, uh, kind of congratulate yourself for doing the work. So, <laughs> so that there, is so there's true. one really, uh, really good one there, but we talk uh, a lot about celebrating and, you know, when you actually look into cognitive behavior, it's really important to reward your, the behaviors that you want to see repeated. Right. So if you have like tied up a job and you've done a good job and it's over and everyone's happy, like you actually it is actually a really good idea to celebrate and to mark that with some sort of reward because you're more likely to do it again. Oh, absolutely. So and that's so what you were hard. talking about with the like kind of perpetual hustle of when you're having these projects that don't end and then you're starting mm. a new project and you have like this kind of middle, like you never take that time to, and I think business owners in general and entrepreneurs in general, like it, we're always looking at the next thing. Like, you know, a, a big goal for people is like, I want to make six figures a year. Well, as soon as you yeah. make six figures a year, then you look at like, oh, what could my business look like if I made seven figures? Or what if I doubled my revenue next year? And you yeah. never kind of celebrate like, never satisfied. Hey, we did this thing. Like, let's enjoy ourselves. And let's say like, good for us. Like we accomplished this. And that's on a macro level and on a micro level, each project is just saying like, hey, we landed that client. We did the good work. Everybody's happy. Like, let's give ourselves a little bit of reward for that. Mm, I know. And it's, again, one of those things that sounds so simple and we're so resistant to, but it makes such a huge difference in actually, and, and I think I keep tying it back to money because it's, this is the stuff, right? That gets you to that six figure year. Because the other thing that happens is when you don't reward and you don't acknowledge and you let that sort of 
downfall happen with every client relationship, you don't want to take on more work because you're so afraid of this whole process starting over, right? It's not fun. You don't want to do it. Absolutely. Um, fabulous. Okay. So I have to say, and I'm so excited. I love your maker workflow. I've looked into it in detail and it's amazing. And we're not going into it today because it is like complex and beautiful and wonderful, but there are two places where people can find out more about this. The first one, which I am so excited about is you're going to be speaking at magic maker live in London. And we're going to talk us in a second about the second place, which is your amazing business, who is a fantastic sponsor for magic maker live. Um, but you are going to share this workflow with us live on stage. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I am super excited because I'm going to break down kind of the process for creating it and then how you people can adapt it to their workflow. Cause obviously this is mine, but like I said, most uh, creative projects that we found follow this, but I'm going to, you know, really get into the nitty gritty of like what this looks like. What are those 12 things that need to happen before the work happens? And I guarantee you you're doing them, but you probably just have uh, my uh, husband says there's either a intentional system or a haphazard system. Like (laughs) you have a system in your business for getting these 12 things done. You just don't know what it is. So we're going to show how to make it a little bit more intentional and really like free up your mind to do what it is that you do best. Oh, this is so, I'm so, I'm excited about this for my business. I've got some systems, (laughs) but I'm so excited to learn more about this maker workflow. And I think this is one of those things that can be totally life-changing. Like, like if you just can get past that little bit of resistance and sometimes, you know, having a tool or a structure like this is just the thing that, you know, you've been told it a hundred times or, you know, you need to do it. It's the thing that allows you to say, okay, when I go home tomorrow, this is what we're going to do. Because it sounds like you've got this sort of step-by-step outline that will help people actually implement it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody has different strengths and different things that they have resistance to. And so knowing what yours are and saying, perfect. Okay. Here of the 18 steps, like number four is the thing that I need to work on the most or number seven or whatever it is for you. Um, And so I'm going to kind of give people a structure to say, okay, here's what I need, where the holes are in my business. And here's the simple ways that can fix it. Because usually it is something simple. People think systems and they think it's like, going to be the matrix or like minority report <laughs> and all these things. It's like, sometimes it's just a list or a template yes. or, you know, yes. so. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for that. Okay. And the second place where people can get it is inside your amazing membership, the freelance co-op. Tell us about that. Yeah. So basically as I started building this stuff out for myself, my colleagues who I was talking with all the time were like, can you do this for me? And so about three years ago, we created uh, the freelance co-op, which is, Uh, an online membership where we take the workflow and then whatever it is, like I said, if it's step number four for you, there's a whole section on the site about uh, systems that are in place and that we have experts come in training on things like taxes and legal and contracts and all that crazy stuff that none of us are really experts in, but all of us need to use on a daily basis. (laughs) And we kind of put it in there. So whatever it is that you need for your business, like say you have like a common one was, I had a great call with a client, um, a potential client, a prospect call with them, and they think that uh, my prices are too high. What do I do next? And so we have a whole section of like, okay, here's a plug and play template conversation that you can have with them so that you don't have to create all these templates from scratch. And and it all kind of is built around the workflow. That's amazing. And I think the important thing to note here is if you are looking at that like six-figure goal and you don't understand why, you know, you're not hitting it 
you transitioning to that place in your business where you start paying for things like this to save you all the time and all the trial and error and all the mistakes and all the time you're wasting because you're not doing it as in addition to the time it's going to take to actually write and build it like I think the savvy kind of freelancers and entrepreneurs that you reach that point where you're like I'm not going to DIY this stuff anymore. Like I'm going to get there so much faster if I can just find someone like Abby and a space like freelance co-op and just give me all the things that I can then even have my VA implement for me. Right. You don't even need to do any of this work. You can just get your team involved. Yeah. We have a lot of people that whose VA, uh, you know, goes in there and finds the systems and they work with to build it. And it's always interesting because I always say that the two main times when people come to freelance co-op is when, uh, number one, a client didn't pay them. So they got like, you know, did a whole project and now a client owes them anywhere from $500 to we've had people that like, this client owes me $20,000 and they won't pay me. So people come there, come to me then, or uh, at tax time is a big time of like, oh no, now I have to pay taxes on all this money that I owe. But the I great need all thing, the help. Yeah, exactly. But the great thing about the freelance co-op is if you come to it before you hit those milestones, like we can prevent you from <laughs> from having those, oh, the client didn't pay me $20,000. Like, And so, like you said, is getting to the point in your business, I feel like we don't have to kind of do this trial and error in our business. There's so many resources out there and freelance co-op is obviously one of them, but there's so many resources out there right now for businesses to prevent these things from ever happening and so many people out there that are kind of forging the path for us that you don't have to go through this like heartache to to improve you know a hundred percent we do not all need to be reinventing the wheel (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) which is great i love that you're doing this and you have a co-working space is that right as part of this yeah so uh August. So we're uh, basically the year mark of having the co-working space, uh, which is basically the physical manifestation of what we've been doing online. So I built kind of the dream office for myself and then opened it up to creative freelancers. So where I'm recording this podcast right now is in our podcasting studio. We have a recording studio, we run workshops. And so what we, the workshops that we put on in the online membership, most of them are run now out of this co-working space uh, we do workshops where we like have content creation days where people come up for a day or two days and we film a whole bunch of content for them for their social media. Uh, we do just all kinds of stuff and we're in upstate New York in, in my hometown. And it's just basically creating the place where creative freelancers can go to have these resources that they need for their business. That is such a dream come true. I was telling you before we hit record that I'm so jealous that I don't live in New York. (laughs) I would love to have access to a space like this. My husband and I were just talking because we do have a physical space that I sort of built the the dream retail space, decided retail was not my thing and couldn't let go of the space. And we have this room in there that would be the perfect podcasting studio. And we're talking about like, can we fit that out? Do we podcast? Do we want to rent out some desks? But it's tiny. Like we're talking a very, very small space. We're in Southwest London. (laughs) But I think so many people can relate to that, like the dream of having the perfect office. And then the fact that you've, you know, shared that, built that to expand and to include others, I think is so cool. That's such a really cool mission. It's just been really fun connecting with freelancers because we do all love and me included working in our pajamas, but it's also nice to just have some human interaction and then have, you know, the equipment and the resources. Most of us don't have a big studio in our house. So, you know, just, just having all those things that freelancers need to, to have sustainable businesses. 
A hundred percent. And it, again, I just keep getting reminded of this over and over again, that we are so much better together, right? When we can sort of like give each other a leg up and like, I've got this thing if you want to borrow it, or we've got this space if you want to come be creative or get that accountability. And I have a couple membership sites as well. And I think so many of those pieces are just so important and we just can't get enough of them. I think when, you know, people like you are creating this, these spaces, physical and digital for us to have that accountability and have that support, it's just so valuable. And I think the only thing I hear people say, and I'm sure your people are like this as well, is just like, I wish I would have done this sooner. Right? Yeah. I wish I would have gotten involved with this kind of process and program sooner because how much further along would I be? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many, like I said, there's so many people out there that are trying to do the same thing that we are. Like, why wouldn't we pull together and do it, do it together? hundred percent. And I love your tagline is making creativity sustainable. And I love this idea of not being so like pop and burn and like not, you know, running towards that cliff. We know we're going to fall off. I, I talk about finding freedom and fulfillment and the alternative to that, which is the alternative of this sustainable creativity is burnout, isn't it? It's this like this place where you just go really dark and give up because when you don't have these structures and when you just try and reinvent everything all the time and you're too much of a perfectionist to try and just create some of these systems because you want to do it the hard way every time and you don't want to delegate to other people, all this stuff that we go through, it just leads us to this place that can be really dark and difficult. And those of us who've experienced it, I think are in the business of like trying to keep other people out of that space as much as possible. And it sounds like you are doing a really amazing job doing that by, you know, sharing all these wonderful tools that maybe don't come naturally to those of us who are <laughs> very creatively inclined. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's why I say all the time, it's like systems, people create systems and most systems are designed for people that made them the systems, people, the people like my husband, but uh, you know, and that's why the co-op is so valuable to people because it's designed with the creative in mind and the kind of, you know, what it takes to be sustainable. And like you said, I love what you said, because mindset is such an important part of it. And money is such an important part of it. All those, you know, pillars that you talk about, you know, mm. it makes it, that's what's going to make, and the world needs the creativity. The world needs people that can do these things and that think in the ways that we think. And the only way that we can keep doing what we're doing is if we support each other. Yes, absolutely. And I think what you do is so important. I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm a brand builder, but when I talk to people in depth about how to actually build a brand, I talk to them about the artists that they're going to need to hire to help them because we're not all copywriters and photographers and designers. And when you get serious about building a brand, which isn't usually at the first stage of your business, it's usually when you kind of know yourself and know your customers a little bit better. And you're looking to really invest in people who can you know, help you build a brand that's really powerful. You know, it's all the people who are in your membership site. It's all of these creatives that we need access to, to help us build our own beautiful, you know, genius, gorgeous, compelling, you know, intoxicating brands. So without these freelancers, without these creatives, those brands don't exist. And if we let ourselves, you know, burn out or not charge enough or not get structures in place that so we're constantly disappointing people or running behind or whatever, then brands don't exist because they don't exist without this wonderful creativity. So the work that you're doing, I think is so, so important. So thank you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So tell us where we can find you online. Yeah. So I'm at uh, freelancecoop.org is kind of the best place to start. That's got all the info on what freelance co-op is. 
Uh, I've also like been super into Twitter lately. <laughs> lately when, I feel like I'm like late to the party on that. I'm like, Twitter's <laughs> kind of fun. I feel um, like Twitter's making a resurgence actually. Yeah, I just really enjoy it. I like the yeah. creativity it involves and the, the kind of the direct access to like my heroes. You know, it's, it's yes, really cool. Totally. Um, it's a great place for writers and for journalists. That is one of the great things Twitter is for. So yeah, absolutely. So I'm there at Life and Writing. And so um, if you want, if you want kind of the business and system side of it, uh, the website's the best. If you want to just know what's up with my kids and what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hang out with Abby. <laughs> Twitter's where it's at. So Cool. And we'll link that up in the show notes as well. And so the last thing I just want to ask you is any sort of parting thoughts for people who are listening to this and they're like, yes, I totally hear this, but I've really struggled to do this. Any sort of words of wisdom that you want to leave us with in terms of all of this difficult, these milestones and, you know, getting structures in place and just being a freelancer in this kind of modern day that we live in? Yeah, I think really to kind of like put a a big bow around everything that we talked about, it's really like redefining what it means to be a creative and that these words are not opposite. And I think that being a creative and being a professional, you can and have to be both if you're going to survive in this creative world. And I think that I love the the method madness spectrum that you need both of those things. And I think kind of looking at our notions of what it means to be a creative or what it means to be a professional and thinking like these things are not opposites and we can strive to to have both of them and I, you know and that really is where the magic happens is when we look at these things that feel like opposites and we put them together and i think that that you know if i could impart any kind of wisdom on everybody it's that systems equal freedom they don't constrain freedom and and thinking about those things that you think are, well, that's the opposite of what I want my business to be. Like really kind of examine that and think, what if you could have both? And what if you could add professionalism to your creativity or add organization to the madness? You know, what could that look like? And I think that's where the, you know, the possibilities are just endless for, for freelancers and business owners or anybody that does creative work. Mm, I love that idea that these things are not opposite. And it does take time for us to kind of come to that realization, doesn't it? Like, it's so much better if everyone listening can just acknowledge that, (laughs) absorb it, believe it, and not have to find out the hard way that it's actually true. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us, Abby. And thanks for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, For those of you guys who want to meet Abby and get this amazing maker workflow that she has, definitely check her out at the Freelance Co-op or please come to London, come hang out with us and Ash and Denise. Um, Abby is sponsoring the evening reception the night before um, the day one, the evening of day one where we're having drinks with Ash. Um, And also if you um, come VIP, so if you come VIP, you get to go to that drinks reception. You get to have this amazing lunch with Denise on day two. And we do this third day of masterminding and we are going to be starting on a 2020 planner and we are going to be talking about a lot of the stuff that that abby has shared with us today in terms of this workflow and being able to implement stuff like the maker workflow that you learn in the two days right away so you don't go home and like forget all this stuff and not do it right we get overwhelmed with those events and we're like this is amazing and then forget it all so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we really encourage you to come hang out with us in london meet abby learn the maker workflow start implementing it the very next day and then we can all find this freedom through structure thanks for being with us abby i cannot wait to see you in october 
Thank you. I'm super excited. (laughs) Bye. Attention all UK-based magic makers. I want to share with you this amazing conference that we are having October 15th and 16th in London, where the big promise is that we are going to get you crystal clear on your purpose, your products, and your communication so that you can go out there and attract and convert your ideal client with more ease. I am so, so, so excited about this event where I will be leading this incredible group of really tell it like it is women who are going to help you get past blocks in your business, who are going to help you with that communication, understanding your products. I'm going to lead you through learning more about your why. We have the amazing Ash Amberger on day one, who's going to help us get brave. The fantastic Denise Duffield-Thomas on day two, who's helping us with having a more chill business and working on that belief that money has to be hard to earn, as well as the fantastic Janet Murray, who is helping us look at our content. Jessica Lorimer, who is a seven-figure sales coach who's going to help us get past our fear of selling, as well as Catherine Watkin, who is a heart-centered sales coach who's going to help us make the sale not so salesy. And we've got Lisa Johnson, the passive income queen, my business partner from America, Jane Harrell, who is an amazing digital marketer, helping us with some of the more data-driven parts of our business. You would not believe the people we have on our Rebel panel as well. We're going to be talking about Instagram. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be a mom who's an entrepreneur. We're going to be talking a little bit about the pet space. We are going to be diving into so many ways that we can help you get that momentum and that consistency moving forward as we work on your communication, your purpose, and your products. So I hope you can join us. We are offering some incredible, really short-term offers, some giveaways, and some discounts. And all you need to do to get access to that is jump over to our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash magic makers HQ. And that is where the conversation is happening. We have a two-for-one deal on tickets that's only good until October 1st, but we're helping match people up with buddies inside that group. So I'd love for you to come pop over there. If you're interested in coming to this conference, make sure you get involved and reach out over at facebook.com slash group slash magicmakershq. And if you've already got your ticket, I am so excited to see you there. If you're interested in upgrading to VIP, where you get to have an incredible drinks reception with Ash, an amazing intimate lunch with Denise, as well as a whole third day of masterminding where you will receive our 2020 magic maker printed planner this beast is amazing Um, and it comes with it some extra planning calls throughout the year which is our gift to you as a vip guest then hop over to that group and let us know there or email us at team at jnicolesmith.com and we will help you get upgraded to vip hope to see you there bye